Hey guys, thanks for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you joined us. We consider resources like this one to be supplemental. So if you do not have a church home and live in the greater Savannah area, we would love to invite you to one of our locations. If you're blessed by today's message and would like to invest into the life and ministry of City Church, you can do so by visiting citychurch.life and clicking give. Our hope is that you'll be blessed and encouraged as we dive into today's message. We're going to dive into uh, week four of uh, Build Your Breakthrough. And today uh, our, our message is titled uh, Breakthrough Births a Shout. So uh, we've been talking about this uh, process of building a breakthrough, right? That breakthrough in your life requires effort. You have to put something into it. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, something that's just like, you know, you get to sit around, be lazy and keep saying, God, when's it going to happen? And it just happened. I, I was thinking about this this week. So, so uh, I went to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, it was amazing to me as we were... Uh, uh, there, the number of people who really had, felt like they had a call in their lives, they had big plans in the ministry, and there was a mindset among a lot of the, the, the people I went to school with that was like, you know, I'm just going to sit here until some church calls me and asks me to come and be the pastor or to be the youth pastor, and now, you know, they're turning 40 like I am, and there are a lot of them that are still there. And they've never stepped into any type of ministry position. And uh, this series really was making me think about that, that, that a lot of times when God speaks something, when God calls you to something, um, uh, you know, he's calling you to do work, to be a part of the process, you know. And uh, too many times believers just kind of get this mindset that's like, you know, well, God said it, it's true, yes and amen. They'll do their hallelujah dance and sit down and wait for God to show up and hand them everything. And God's like, no, I, I told you where to go. I told you what to do so that you could get what you needed, not that I'm gonna go out there and do all the work for you. It's really no different than parenting kids, right? Uh, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you tell your kids, hey, we'll go get ice cream if you clean your room. And if they go sit in their room, and don't clean their room, we're not gonna go get ice cream. You know, there's, there's some condition that's there. And we have, to, we have to look at the breakthroughs that we want in our lives, the promises that God's given us that we wanna see fulfilled. We have to look at those through the lens of what am I gonna do to be a part of this? Like, what are the conditions that are in front of me? Uh, you know, Abraham was given some huge promises. God had a tremendous amount uh, for him. Uh, and, and it required him to pack up all of his stuff. It required him to move. And then it required him to sit there and wait to be able to walk into the promise. And he got antsy and started doing things on his own. And, and God comes and says, what did I tell you? Like, like I, I said I would do it, you know? And so there's just, a, there's a combination of this waiting and this effort that goes into it. But let me, let me just say that in shifting gears, that when breakthrough happens, like something awakens inside of us. And a lot of times what happens is, is we see breakthrough happening in the lives of people around us and we're not seeing it in our own lives, right? And, and that can birth a lot of different emotions. You know, it's uh, uh, some people, it's, you know, you put on the fake smile. Anybody ever, anybody in here got a fake smile? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, that, that, you know, anybody know anybody that can just be mad at the world and then all of a sudden their phone rings and they're like, oh my gosh, how are you? It's so great. You know, I, it's like, it's like, like all these emotions can be happening around us and we put on a front or maybe we get, maybe you just get angry. You're like, God, when's my breakthrough coming? Why do they keep getting all of this stuff? And why is that person? What about me? 
And, and so all these emotions can, can birth and, and those emotions can easily become distractions, right? They can become distractions that keep you from stepping into the breakthrough that God has for you because at the end of the day, breakthrough takes effort and breakthrough takes time. It takes effort and it takes time. If you wanna walk into breakthrough, if you wanna see those things that you believe God has spoken in and over your life come to pass, you have got to be willing to do the work and you have got to be willing to wait. And if you can't do those two things, you might miss some pretty amazing uh, 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 breakthroughs in your life, some pretty amazing opportunities. Uh, and so my, my encouragement to you is don't give up. Don't, don't be a quitter. Look at your neighbor right now. Look them right in the eye and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes in our lives, that's what we need is we need somebody who loves us enough to come alongside and look us square in the eyes and say, don't stop now. Don't give up. You might be in the process of believing God for something really, really big, and it just feels like everything is falling apart, or it feels like nothing's happening at all, and you're watching everyone else get their breakthrough, and you feel like giving up. You're done. It's time to move on. God's you know, still God, but he's not going to do what he said he was going to do, and there's just no truth inside of that. I wanna use Jericho as our example for today. So this is a, a picture of the dig site where uh, they believe Jericho was located. And there's pretty much total consensus that this is the site of Jericho. I think it's kind of interesting that as they have since the late 1800s to today been excavating and working on this, uh, some of the things that have been uh, pretty wide, uh, widely accepted uh, are that the walls fell from some type of earthquake. Something happened that caused the walls to fall. And then once they fell, someone came in and burned the city and that the storehouses were still filled with grain. And so one of the things that's kind of interesting about this is if you think about a walled city being besieged by an enemy, right? Uh, one of the things, one of the main tactics that they'll, that they'll use is to starve them out. So for a city to have its walls caved in, uh, typically uh, in any other dig site they come across, those, those places, those storehouses are empty because the people held out as long as they could, uh, hoping that the enemy would leave. Uh, also, the fact that the burn marks over everything are on the uh, outsides of the fallen bricks but where they fell underneath, there aren't burn marks. There's no ash there. And so that lets the, the, the archaeologists know that these walls fell before somebody came in and burned everything. And whoever came in was not interested in the goods and the possessions that were inside of Jericho. Now, now I think that's kind of just a, a fascinating observation when we look at Joshua 6, because the instruction from God was that when you go in and you take the city, you're not to take any of their belongings for yourself. And so here we have an archaeological dig that lines up with what Scripture tells us took place. So good people start something new. Exceptional people see it through. All right? Good people start something new. Exceptional people see it through. 
And God gives some instruction to the Israelites here in Jericho. And I want to tell you something, that good people who love the Lord and are trying to walk in relationship with God, they can hear the voice of God and good people will be obedient and they will start up what they feel like God has told them to start up. But it takes an exceptional person to see it all the way through. So many people in our lives, and if you really sit down and think about this, that are good people, right? They've risen above a lot in their lives and they will tell you, I believe like God's leading me in this direction and they'll have a vision and a dream and they'll start moving in that direction. But because they aren't seeing fruit or because things aren't happening the way that they expected them to happen, so many of God's children, believers, end up giving up and walking away. But I wanna tell you something, exceptional people, they see it through to the very end. They just keep waiting. Too many people stop short and ultimately miss their destiny. So we've been talking about the effort that it takes for breakthrough. I want, to, I want you today to really get this inside of you that, that, that if God has said something, if God has called you to something, if God has spoken something, you have a responsibility to see it through even if things aren't going the way that you expect them to. Now, there's something glorious that happens on the other side. It's that you know good and well when the breakthrough has happened because walls fall down, things burn up. It is supernatural. It's only something God could have done when you've seen it through. And it births a shout inside of you. There's victory. When your team wins, you go home, you are, you're riding high, you're excited about the fact that your team just won. It's the same way when we're in relationship with God and we're walking in the direction that he's called us to walk in and we're doing the things. When we see breakthrough, when it happens, that thing that he said would happen, man, it does something, it, something begins to burn deep inside of you that you cannot contain, it just births out. And, and let me tell you, the, the evidence of that is in the fact that you are able to see breakthroughs happening in other people's lives. And you're like, God, why is it happening to them? Because what's happening is, is when they're hitting breakthrough, fire is just birthing out of them. There's a shout, there's an excitement. And, and, and it does leave a lot of us standing on the sideline going, okay, God, when's my turn? What's, what, what is there for me? So why is it that so many people end up, and I, I really just wanna say this, why is it that so many believers people who, who identify as the church, walking by faith, why is it that so many of us don't see it through? Why is that? I, I got a, a couple of ideas that I pulled here out of Joshua chapter six. And the first one is, I think that there are some perspective issues. I think perspective plays a huge role in people giving up. Let's look here in Joshua chapter six. We'll begin in verse one. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. First of all, the reason that the wall existed around Jericho was specifically because of the children of Israel. This is what the word says right here. They had gone in, they had shut themselves up because they knew that the children of God were coming. 
Can I, can I just tell you something? That in this world that we live in, people are afraid of the children of God because people will worship other gods their entire lives and their gods will never show up and do anything, but they see the hand of God at work on the children of Israel, on the people who are Christians. The testimonies that birth out of the church of how God is miraculously moving and healing people and, and stirring his people to change. It scares people. And these people were no different. And so our story begins with them inside of these walls, inside of this fortress that they felt safe inside of. And, this is, and listen to this. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. I, th- this is a God perspective, Okay. If, if I, let's just imagine that all of us were to go on a little field trip and we were to come to Jericho and we were to stand there and they found out we were coming and they were inside of a city that had a giant wall, right? And we know that people were walking around, guards were walking around on top of this wall, okay? So we come to this wall. It's a giant city. It's a city that has a reputation. And here we come walking up to it. Do you think we walk up to it and go, oh yeah, it's already ours? Or do you think we walk up to it, walk away and go, I don't know how we're gonna do this. Like, how are we going to get through those, the wall? The wall's made out of concrete. Uh, it's bricks. Uh, it's stone. What are we going to do? How are we going to get through it? And, and God says, the fact that they are inside of that city means I've already given it to you. Think about the perspective here. It's a shift from the natural The natural perspective is that wall is impenetrable. We're not going to get through it. But God's perspective is it's already yours. And he's speaking in future tense here. So the wall was a physical barrier and the wall was a visual barrier. Sometimes in our lives, when God is calling us to breakthrough, when he's calling us into something new, there are barriers that are in front of us right? And if we rely on those physical barriers being removed or being able to see through them, and that's the only way we're going to move forward, then we're going to give up and we're going to miss out on some pretty amazing things. So what you see may not immediately line up with what God says. And praise will lift your perspective. Because I can tell you this, that those moments when you're looking at that wall and you're feeling the barriers are just too much, it's because your perspective is broken and there is nothing that will fix your perspective like getting into the presence of God. Getting into the presence of God will absolutely radically change your perspective. So if you ever find yourself sitting there going, well, I really feel like God said this. I feel like God was speaking and, and he told me it was gonna be like this and right now it's just not. And I would tell you that that's a marker for you to find a place where you can get on your face before the Lord and begin to worship, to praise, to pray, to sing and to be in his presence because he will show you the way. And when you're on your own, you'll, you'll be lost and you'll be standing there in front of that wall and you'll feel hopeless. So, Perspective. That's a big reason why I think a lot of people just give up in the midst of it. The second one is progress, right? It's this idea of being able to see some fruit as we go. Verse three, 
You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. So Joshua is getting instruction, right? He's getting instruction that you're gonna go and you're gonna march around the city and you're gonna do that for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. I I just wanna go and tell you right now, because you're probably thinking it, and it's true, being obedient to God can be as silly as it comes. God will ask you to do some pretty ridiculous things because God isn't just at work in your life to bring breakthrough. He wants that breakthrough to be like a domino contagious to the people around you who have been watching and going, that's ridiculous, that can't happen, you're acting crazy, you're talking silly, and then all of a sudden it happens and they start going, "Uh, tell me about this, God. Tell me, tell me about how you got to this place. And while the enemy in front of you might be destroyed, there's a world around you that's watching the battle. And so I just will tell you, just as a, a matter of affirming you, if you're in a time of prayer and you just believe God's speaking and, and it might sound ridiculous and it's not contrary to the word of God, it's probably God. Because God's perfectly fine with you climbing into a fiery furnace, sitting in a lion's den, crossing in front, of bar- a bar- in front of a barrier of water, crossing a sea. God will do the miraculous in your life because it brings glory to him and it brings your breakthrough. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, every one straight before him. So this is what he says. Day one, walk. Day two, you're gonna walk. Day three, check this out, you're walking. Day four, you're walking. Day five, we're gonna mix it up and we're gonna walk. And then on day six, are you ready? you're gonna walk some more. And day seven, you're gonna, you're gonna walk seven times. So get your walking shoes on and go walk around. Have you ever been to the mall and seen people that use the mall as a walking track? Do you know what I'm talking about? Now, if you do that, there's nothing wrong with it. Like when, when I go to the mall and I see people and I, 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 mean, I see them, they got their little weights in their hands and they're, they're power walking. You don't see people jogging in the mall. They're, they're power walking, right? And they're, or they're swinging their arms really big, you know, to get their heart rate going, right? So they're walking around. And you would think that like, like what is that accomplishing? Like, I just want you to get a picture of what this might look like if you're inside of the city and the enemy has approached and they're like, come look at what they're doing. They're power walking, like they're just literally like my grandmother at the moment going to the mall and walking in a circle and here they go and they're just walking and I mean what's happening inside of the city at this moment right it's like this is what we were afraid of right I mean God says that he's giving giving them not just the city but their king too right can you imagine the conversations that were going on with the king like hey listen you've got us all locked up in here because you're afraid of these guys have you seen what they're doing like, there's nothing happening. Like, I honestly think we could open up the gates and just leave, and they would just keep walking, you know? I mean, I don't know. But there's this matter of obedience that comes with it. For six days, you're gonna walk, and this is what you're gonna do. And, and Joshua, the leader, he's the one that's tasked with going in front of everybody, going, hey, guys, 
go get your walking shoes on. It's time. I hope you've got a good pair. We're going we're to take, take this city over. We're going to walk them to death. People go home that night to have dinner, and they're like, did you hear what Joshua said? Did you hear what the pastor said, right? He says, we're going to go and walk, and that somehow that's going to make the enemy afraid, like they're going to give up because we're such great walkers. I mean, you just imagine the way that the conversations are going based off of this, but God's giving instruction, and it seems a little bit ridiculous. Six days, you're going to walk, right? So if you're going to walk, you might as well walk by faith. You might as well go, God, you know what? You told me to walk, so if I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk because you told me to, and I believe you know what you're doing. You told me to go and get this job, and this job drives me crazy. I can't stand it, but because you told me to do it, I'm going to keep pushing the button on that little factory over and over because you said do it, and I trust that at some point something's going to happen. I've got faith that if you told me to do it, you have a purpose for it. Monotony, man. We want progress. We want to see that something's happening. We want to get partially around the wall on that first day and just see one brick fall over. Just something to go home and tell the kids about. But the truth is, that's not how God works. Verse 6, so Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of rams, Uh, horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of rams, horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. Verse nine, the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. I think it's also worth noting here that God tells Joshua, you're going to do this for six days, and on the seventh day, you're going to do this. But he's not, I don't see any insight here that he's giving the rest of the people a time frame. He's just telling them, like, this is going to sound ridiculous enough, probably, that if I told them we were going to do this for six days, that I just need to convince them to do it for one. And then we'll get to the next day, and I'll convince them to do it one. Because human nature says... Uh, We need to complain and we need to murmur and this isn't, what are we doing? Why are we here? So he calls the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. So progress. There was no visual motivator for them. None of the wall was falling down. I mean, it would have been great if just one soldier maybe had fallen off the wall, right? And they had thought to themselves, look, we make them dizzy. That's what's happening. They get dizzy watching us. They fall over and they're ours, but nothing. They go home that night. They're eating dinner. Honey, what was your day like? It was great. We went on a power walk around Jericho and we weren't allowed to talk. That was special. And uh, we came home. Uh, What are you doing tomorrow? I have no idea. Uh, He hasn't said. And then the next day you come home and what's going on? Same thing. We power walked. It was, man, we're a, we're a power walking machine here, us Israelites are. And then there was no time motivator. Nobody was going, come on, we got just 15 more minutes. We got just 10 more minutes, right? 
These are the motivators that we want. January comes around, it's time to hit the gym and, and get on that diet, and we want to measure everything. We want to know how many more push-ups do I have to do? How many more pounds do I have to get on there to get, get, get the results that I'm looking for? And, and, and I, I want to I say this, because I stand in this side of the camp, is that like, like day three comes around and I don't have a six-pack and I'm losing momentum, Right? Because I'm, I'm three days in and it's like I still look the same and I don't know that I want to keep going to the gym because I don't enjoy it. I found out something really ridiculous uh, this last week. Uh, 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 Dave was telling me we were talking about uh, running and a runner's high. And I, I, had, I had longboarded here from my house and Carmen had been like, man, did that feel awesome? And I was like, no. Like my legs were wobbling and falling apart. And she goes, but did you get that high you get when you work out? I was like, what are you talking about, a high? And I was telling Dave Ason that. And he goes, oh, you, you've got to do that for at least a year before you start feeling that runner's high. I am not interested in running for a year to get a runner's high. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if, if getting high is what I need, I can go buy the high on the side of the road, all right? So I'm not going to be getting high anytime soon, right? And, and, and we want immediate gratification. We need to see that there's progress taking place. Now, can I tell you something? When we do see progress, isn't it a great motivator? Like when we've stuck with it for a little while and all of a sudden we look back and go, oh, that is making a difference. But I want to tell you, like, this is just not the way that God operates. God operates in this, like, this, like, absolute yes and no territory that, hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it when I do it. And it's not going to be this gradual, slow crawl. It's going to be, it just happened. And the fruit of that is in the way that God moves when he brings healing he brings healing. When he brings freedom from addiction, he brings freedom from addiction. When he restores a marriage, can I tell you something? God restores a marriage. When God shows up and does what God said he will do, it's huge, but it happens in his exact moment. Not as we're sitting there going, God, I need, I need, you gotta give me something. If you want me to show up tomorrow and, and walk around Jericho, I need a little something. God's going, no, that's, that's not what this is about. That's, that's, that, that's not what I'm looking for right here. I already said that. So Joshua chapter six, verse 12. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually and the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually and the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp so they did for six days so for six days they go out and they march they get their little walking going and they come back in and there's no, there's no fruit, there's no progress seen, there's no, you know, souvenirs. Hey, here's a, here's a piece of the wall that fell off today and I brought it home with me. None of that's happening and they're coming home, right? And I just, I think that a lot of times people stop celebrating on day six. And this is what's really burned in my heart this week thinking about this message. I, I think a lot of Christians do this. A lot of times we get into the process and we, we're amazed that we made it to day six. And so we claim that as our victory. And so a lot of people start going, let me tell you, I started this thing and now it's day six. Look at God. 
Look at God. Like we walked around that city for six days and they didn't kill a single one of us. We walked around it for six days. There was no workplace accidents. Look at God. And, and so we pack up our bags and we go on. And the testimony that we're telling is we walked six days. Can you believe that? Six whole days. You know, maybe in, in your marriage, it's like, listen, you know what? Things aren't great, but we didn't get a divorce. Look at God. You know, I mean, uh, I, I just got tired of doing that job and I didn't die of starvation. Look at God. And God isn't really at work in this like minimalist approach. It's not like he's just trying to get you by, Right? And, 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 and so it's day six and you're just amazed that for six days you had made it. And so you go home and, and I would say, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Like if you believe that God is getting ready to do something, hold on to that, right? Hold on to it. Get to day seven. See what God does on the next day. Who wants to stand in eternity and, and have God go, hey, listen, I love you, but man, you were just like, ah, oh, you were at the finish line. Like we were getting ready to do something mind-blowing. And so for eternity, yes, you're with God, but you also have this like little nudge in the back of you that's like, oh, I could have just one more day. I could have just pushed a little bit harder. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. I put this little quote up there for life, right? Because that's not what life does. Life doesn't whisper in your ear and go, oh, just one more day. I've seen it. It's there. There's no guarantees. Nobody that's going to get in there and be able to pinpoint the exact moment that God's going to do what God said he will do. All that I can say is that God will do what God said he will do. I mean, look at this. When we create games and sports, that they inform us how much time we have left and how much further we need to go. Last week, right, the, the Rams and the uh, uh, Saints played football, right? All week long, what have we seen in the news? A bad call, a missed call, right? Could have been a first down, could have been the game. I've had so many conversations with people who are, who are fans talking about that this week, right? Because there's all these like parameters. Like we knew that the game was coming down to the end. We knew that, that every single play mattered. Like we knew all of the ending. We knew that where it was, we just had to get to that finish line to see who was gonna win. And I read this morning that, that you have people who are suing the NFL and people who are protesting, wanting the game to be replayed. And the NFL said that if they replayed the game, it would cost them $100 million to replay the game, to kind of make this right. And then the question is, would it really make it right? You, you see, this is how we look at advancement. We, we put all the perimeters in place and the parameters. We wanna know exactly how this thing works and when it's gonna end. And I just want to tell you that like when you enter into this, this, this relationship with God and he puts you on the field, you just don't know where the finish line is. The end zone is a, it's a, it's a blurry place in front of you. But here's what we do know is that there is one. And a lot of people, because they can't see the progress, they just give up. And they say, well, I was, I was nowhere near. It wasn't gonna happen. I guess I just, I heard wrong from God. The third one here is preparedness. A lot of times what happens is Christians will go, you know what? I can kind of see what God's talking about. 
and I don't need the progress. And then God says, hey, I need you to show up with a few things. I need you to be ready in a few areas. And because we haven't done the time that was way longer than six days worth of work to get to that place, we end up missing out. Look here at the the rest of these verses here. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. You see, they had to show up with equipment. Can I tell you that, that that equipment had to be acquired and that didn't happen on day one of the six day challenge to power walk Jericho. No, they, these, people, these people had spent some, some seasons of their life being in a place where they could either make or purchase the equipment that was needed, right? Experience, right? I, I don't know if you've ever just picked up an instrument that you've never played before and just broke out, just like tearing it to shreds, but that's not normal. Most people who can play the guitar have spent years going to practice and, and, and rehearsing and, and at home, they're sitting there and they're working on it. And the same with the keys and the drums and these people, they spend time to get better and better at what they're doing, right? And they've got some experience people who know how to use the equipment and then they have the endurance to sit there and walk around Jericho seven times and be playing that trumpet the entire time getting ready for everybody to shout that we get ready to do a a night of worship here and we'll have the conversation with the band and and, and I'll be sitting there talking with Dylan and I'm like, 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 let's do 12 songs. And he's like, 12 songs, we'll all be dead. Our fingers will fall off, our throats will be raw, we'll be worthless. And he has to rein me back and I'm like, 11. And he's like, eight (laughs) with a break in the middle. And the truth is, is, is that these guys, they spend time being able to have the endurance to do that. And a lot of times we just get in the middle of it and we're not doing anything on the sidelines. We're showing up and we're walking with everybody. Look at me, I got this. And then we're supposed to go home and be getting prepared because the, the big thing's coming. We're supposed to be at home cleaning our instrument or, or, or gathering our supplies. And instead we're just binge watching Netflix. And then the day comes where the finish line is evident. We're at it and, and, and we need to know some scripture and we need to have some talents and it's, it's, it's lost to us. It's like, we're not very, we're fumbling around because we haven't been preparing. I wanna tell you, like these people, these Israelites that come through a really terrible season, 40 years of wandering. That's a motivator. They, they were ready. God, you, you okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back into the wilderness. I'd much rather walk Jericho than wander in wilderness. God, I will walk. I will be ready. I'll learn how to play the trumpet. I'll do my part. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be a part of the team that makes something happen. Progress was not the thing that they needed to be the determining factor on whether or not they showed up tomorrow to be a part of the serve team. Because they believed in what they 
had bought into. In 2017, uh, well, let me back up. Uh, in 2014, uh, Robert, where are you at? Are you back there? Robert and Kat, as Kat and kids, uh, we went to uh, uh, Kenya. And uh, in the distance, I saw this mountain peak. It's Mount Kilimanjaro. And so it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. And we were just riding in a uh, land cruiser or something. And so we, were, we had gone to see an orphanage that's right up on the edge of the mountain. And so we were, we were riding and I was looking at it. And I, I had this like sense of like it was taunting me, you know, and I, I just, I don't know if you've ever been like that. It's just like, it's like, it's like I'm bigger than you are. And I remembered sitting there and thinking, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the top of that mountain one day. Like I'm going to do it. So in 2017, uh, I had the opportunity and Isaac, my oldest, uh, and I, we did a mission trip in Kenya and we served and preached and then we took uh, an extra week and we stayed and we went over and we climbed that Mount Kilimanjaro. And, and so for, for months, I mean, for a year, I was watching every documentary on Mount Kilimanjaro. I was looking for stories of not guys who were like super ripped and mountain climbers who climbed it. I wanted to find guys who were out of shape in their 40s and 50s. Even though I'm not there, I felt like if they can do it, I can do it. And I found where a lot of guys had done it. So I looked at what was their routine to be ready to do it. And I did all of that stuff. And Isaac and I had all the gear. We, we, we spent the time buying the backpacks and the clothes that allowed us to be uh, able to shed them and then to get warm because uh, uh, this is really close to the equator. Uh, and so during the day, it's really hot, but at night it, it'll start snowing and ice over and so you've got to have layers there's just all this gear that's involved in being able to do it right and so and then Isaac and I at home we took time and we we packed it and we unpacked it and we packed it and we weighed it and we unpacked it and, and we would we would practice with all of these things and we were ready we were ready to show up and and to climb the mountain and we had signed up for a, a, a seven-day climb and uh, in an effort to to help the local economy, I did not use a U.S. tour company to book this because what I had read and a lot of the information was that a U.S. tour company or a, a British tour company, they'll charge X number of dollars and then pay these guys like, you know, $2 a day. Uh, and we're paying, you know, hundreds of dollars a day. And so we found a local company that we would invest in um, and we did not compensate for a language barrier. And when we got there, our seven-day trip was seven days from the time that we landed to the time that we got back to the airport in their mind. And so what, what should have been six days of climbing and one day down was two and a half days of climbing and half a day down. And we found that out on the first day when, what did we do, 16 miles? It was crazy carrying that pack and the night before we left I got a stomach bug and was not to be graphic dehydrated and I was it was bad I was bad sick and Isaac it was like do we need to cancel and I was like no we may never get here again and I told that mountain I'm gonna get on top of it and uh, I was sick and there were no bathrooms it was bad and we pushed but I, I want to tell you that even with all of that, they woke us up at midnight on the final day 
we were, we were really close to getting to the top of the mountain and uh, they, they, you, you climb that last little bit, the last like five hours of climbing, you do it in the middle of the night because the ground is uh, like gravel. And so you can't hardly get up it. So they, it freezes at that point. And so you can get up it. And so we had had like four hours of sleep and I'm still dehydrated, very sick. And we were climbing up that mountain and uh, I could see literally, I, I was probably as close as I am to the roof of this building right now. That's how close I was. And I sat down and I said, I can't go any further. I just can't. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. I don't know how to explain to you being that close and just giving up. And uh, Isaac uh, knelt down beside me and just made me look him right in the eyes and was like, you're not quitting. You're not quitting. And he pulled me up and drug me to the top of the mountain where I saw the most beautiful sunrise I've ever seen in my life. We were far above the clouds and watching the sun break through and we had made it to the top. And I can tell you that in my physical condition, if it had not been for the preparedness and the gear and all those things that we had, right? And then looking at each other and saying, we're going to make it a little bit further. We're going to go a little bit further. I would have never stood on top of that mountain and, and been able to see what I saw. And it was in that moment that I was sitting there and there's, you make it to the top and there's a, a secondary ledge that you can go to and it's, uh, you have to walk down a path that's really narrow and there's a fall off. And I was so sick, I kept falling over. I could not go to that secondary ledge because I would, I could have fallen off, you know, a hundred feet. Would have not been pretty sight. And uh, Isaac said, uh, hey, Dad, the tour guide's offering to let me go. Um, I'd like to go. And I said, yes, absolutely. And I sat down. I just started crying because I had made it that far, but I couldn't get to the next finish line. I just physically could not. And I was looking out over these clouds, and I was crying, like tears just pouring out of my eyes, and I'm sick. And, I, and, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and, and said, uh, uh, it was never your job to get him all the way. Your job was to get him further than you could ever go. And I know that was the voice of God. And it just, it just was like this heavy peace that just sat on me there, knowing that he was going to go to a place I was never going to go, but I had gotten to where I said I would be. And can I tell you, when we get to day six and we give up, we don't just do an injustice to ourselves and to God. We do injustice to the next generation. And legacy is falling apart. If you don't give up for any other reason, don't give up because somebody's watching and somebody needs to get there. Let's stand to our feet. Psalm 139, David is writing and he talks about how that he's fully aware that God isn't just being introduced to him now as a man, but he says, you knew me when I was in the womb. He says, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I want you to understand something here today. You have purpose. If you feel like you have no purpose, it's exclusively because you have not been able to put your finger on that purpose. But you, not one of you was born to just wander the planet. 
God has a purpose for you in your life. And the question is, will you rise to the occasion? Will you fight for the breakthrough, the destiny that God made you for? Every one of us has a calling and a purpose. God wants to do something in your life and through your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you how faithful you are, how consistent and how gracious you are. You're the God of breakthrough. You're the God that has brought us out of our sin, out of our broken natures. You have redeemed and you have restored. You are at work. Thank you that I am not the man today that I once was. Thank you that I am not the father today that I once was or the husband that I once was. Thank you for bringing me to this place today, continuing to work inside of me. Give me the endurance to never give up, to make it to the finish line, to run the race with all the might and passion that is needed to bring glory and honor to your name, that not only will I stand there before you victorious, but that others would have seen the race and would have jumped in themselves. Thank you. We love you and praise you in your mighty name.